up, everybody? Welcome to a bonus episode of Positive Regression. As we said last week, David put out the bat signal for listener questions. And man, did you guys deliver so much more than we could have ever uh, anticipated and hoped for. So thank you for that. So much so that we have come up with a bonus episode to answer all their good questions. So thank you for that. Uh, you know, David, I'm blowing off the traditional <laughs> introduction. I'm Alan Kavana. He's David Smith. This is Positive Regression, of course. But let's get right to it because we have all these great listener questions to answer, David. Let's start off first from Brendan Wilhide on Twitter. Which drivers have gained the most from the choose cone rule in Cup? Are there any consistent winners in that regard? At what point does gambling on the choose cone become a bankable skill for driver and crew chief? Great question, especially because, David, you look into this. Uh, it's a good question. We've addressed this just in talking about uh, about this on our uh, recent restart episode, but the Penske guys, uh, namely Brad Kozlowski and Joey Logano are making the majority of their restarts from the preferred groove position this season. And that does a lot to fuel their good positional nets. Uh, Kozlowski currently leads the series. Now, it should be said that Ricky Stenhouse is also in the 59% range here uh, along with Keselowski and Logano, but not having the success. And that's the component hmm. that is going to help drive the narrative. Uh, Brad Keselowski, look, he, he's at this high clip of his restarts coming uh, from inside the top 14 from the preferred groove. He's producing well on restarts in addition to choosing well. So the execution of the restart itself makes him appear smarter. And I don't know, Alan, let me know if I'm, if I'm on the right track here. I don't feel like this is going to become a, a bankable skill as much as it's going to be something uh, similar to playing blackjack. Uh, there are mathematical truisms that you adhere to in an effort to win over the long haul when you're playing blackjack, right? But unless mm -hmm. you're counting cards, that's, you know, that's, this is how you do it legally. <laughs> um, the same kind of goes here. No one is going to moneyball this. No one is going to break restarts because they're so good at choosing. You're just going to have intelligent drivers and teams making good decisions, following what makes the most mathematical sense at which point they then have to go out and execute a good restart. But we're going to see this, especially on tracks that have big disparities between the preferred and the non-preferred groove. We saw this last year in, in one of the, the early days of the Choose Rule Dover. Kevin Harvick didn't make a single non-preferred groove restart attempt in his win last season at Dover. And that was by design. He didn't want to be in that groove. And that, and that decision-making helped put him where he wanted to be, but he then went out and executed on those restarts. He gained eight spots on four attempts and you don't just do that by picking correctly. You do that by picking correctly and then having something like a, a textbook restart from the position that you've deemed acceptable. 
Yeah, I don't know if there's skill, but there's certainly a lot of homework that goes into it, right? There's communication with the spotter. If you listen, uh, if you're fortunate enough to be at a race and hear the different communication that goes on, there's different kind of almost languages and cadences and ways they communicate. You know, some people click off just how many are in one row. Others want a different information and uh, it, that that could be valuable. I don't know if that's a bankable skill, but certainly communication and homework plays a, a, a big role in it. Yeah, and to varying degrees, everyone's doing it. Yeah. Uh, and, and it might not, the driver might not want the minutia of it all. They just want to be told where to go, but that's part of it. That's a reliance on someone that you, you at least accept is, is smart and knowledgeable of the situation. And that's what it's become. That's what the drivers essentially asked for when they politicked for the choose rule. But as a, as a bankable skill. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know that that's ever really going to be a thing. I think it's just playing the mathematical odds and whatever of the two options best suits you at that point in time, that is what you take. All right. Good question. Next up, uh, Jaggy, sorry if I mispronounced that, but Jaggy on, tis- on discord, how much, if any, has restart retention from the front row changed due to no longer being able to choose who you want directly behind you? This is a good question. David, I heard you, I I, I think, uh, propose a uh, question like this to Brad Kislowski when we were at Charlotte together. It was something of a similar situation, right? Yeah, his was, how would it affect, the, the question that I asked Brad was, how it would it affect staying out on old tires, oh, making yeah, yeah. that kind of risk if everyone behind you can choose. But now, just on a basic front row restart, you have no ability to choose your restart with the knowledge of who will certainly be behind you. And and that's how I treated this question. I looked at this. There have been tracks on which the restart dynamic has radically changed from last year to this year. We sort of thought that would happen with the horsepower change at Darlington, and it did. But for the choose rule, having an impact on on this kind of flip, um, what the question describes is good for maybe a restart attempt in isolation, but not all of them in totality. Uh, and as an aside, and, and it's it's kind of related, I don't know that choosing a desired pusher matters much on some of these tracks, especially the 550 tracks. You're either going to go forward or you're not. And it benefits everyone to push. Some drivers are better at pushing than others. I think that's certainly the case. But to deliberately not push the driver in front of you uh, in a lot of these cases that I've watched, that does not end well for for a driver. Uh, Daryl Waldrip was lampooned for some of the terminology he mentioned, you know, vortex theory, not so hot. But he came up with one called coopetition, if you remember, Alan. Uh, cooperative competition, I suppose. It's It kind of makes sense here uh, with, with choose rule restarts. What's best for the car in front of you is often what's best for you as an individual so I don't know. I, I understand not wanting to go out of your way to help uh, a, a car that isn't a stable mate or a corporate teammate or whatever we're calling them these days, but it also affects your race to do that. And I don't see that happening too often. 
Yeah, I like the question. I like the, the premise of it that you're thinking that way. But really, if, if you think deep into it, right? I mean, second place is never rarely, I don't think ever really is going to choose to start behind the leader, right? So that's not going to happen. So then you have only two options that for a driver that's going to start behind you instead of what used to be, I guess, one, right? So again, if there's communication, if there's homework, uh, you only have to put in your head the, the two potential options, you know, third or fourth, one of the, only one of them is going to start behind you. And there's only two options for that one driver, right? So, uh, you, you can do, I think you can do that math and analysis pretty quickly, uh, when it, when it's only two options, is that fair to say? Yeah. And, and even then it, it might not be worth the trouble, uh, yeah. just <laughs> re- restart where you want to be. And, you, you, yeah, you're asking Especially a lot as of, a leader. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, yeah, you're going to need someone to push you to make sure that you're not being pushed to the left or the right of you, but you, you, you have to make the decision that's best for yourself. And then if you are in that position, let's say the second row, then be the pusher. Like there's, there's really no reason not to be, unless there's just an opening plain as day that you have to take. And in that case you do it. More often than not, there is not, and you just simply execute the restart. So I don't know that there's that much maneuvering involved, even though it's uh, it's fun to think that there is. When your business is starting its championship run, nothing matters more than finding and hiring the best team. With Indeed, you have the power to build a dynasty by hiring more MVPs faster. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through March 31st. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applicants that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. No matter how the last game went, anytime you take the field, you got a shot at greatness. Give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. All right, good question. Next up, another one from Discord uh, from Neo Metal Armstrong. Love this question because, David, we mentioned this a lot. If speed is the number one on the list of statistics most closely correlated to winning, what are number two and three? This is something uh, I've heard you say before, but I've never thought about it like Neo Metal Armstrong has. I've never wondered what numbers two and three are. Speed is king. What is after that? <laughs> uh, number two is easy. It's the driver. Uh, in, in this case, uh, this year, peers correlation coefficient with average finish is a positive 0.92. That is a very high yeah. relationship. Uh, number three on the list, if we want to go down it, it, it is fluid based on the year. But in recent years, it was overall restart position retention. Oh. Now, this year is going to be a little bit different. The choose rule could certainly impact this. Uh, Fewer cautions across the board could impact this. But that it it, it does uh, sort of make sense that the combo of car and driver, uh, which rank first and second is correlative metrics for success, uh, makes sense that they come together 
for a third metric. Um, but it's, you know, certainly something to keep an eye on. And it also speaks to the importance, at least in recent seasons of restarts. All right. Good question. Neo Metal Armstrong. Next up from Blake Phillips on Twitter. How much of an advantage, if any, does a desirable pit stall selection confer on driver over a less desirable one? This is interesting, David. We don't get into this too much on positive regression. And I was just trying to rack my brain about the, the desirable. Certainly there are desirable pit stalls. That's why they have uh, the, the choices. And that's why I can assure you that every crew chief has a list of every track about which ones you want to pick. Uh, you know, the first stall out, the last one, the ones with openings, all that stuff. But how much of an advantage, if any, does a desirable pit stall selection confer on a driver over a less desirable one? How do you interpret that? Well, I mean, if we were going to quantify it, it's going to be different from team to team, but also the term desirable is subjective and there's a way that you value a pit stall that might be different to other teams. Mm. A good example of this was when Joey Logano uh, was paired with Todd Gordon as his crew chief, they always selected pit stall number two. And the reason they claimed that that was the case was familiarity. They did not want to take a risk, uh, and certainly in key races, of Joey completely missing the pit stall. Hmm. He, he wanted that sense of familiarity, regardless of the track, to know exactly where he was going, and it was one less thing to think about. You know, you think of uh, Steve Jobs always wearing the same clothes every day or, <laughs> or something, like to, because it's one less decision that he, he didn't have to make, and that was kind of the case here. Um, but certainly that's far different than what we see usually. And I think usually the advantage is in mitigating the risk of the stop itself inside the box, because if you're looking for a pit stall with, uh, an empty spot in front of you or behind you, that affects entry exit. If entry into the pit box or the exit are crowded by another car, that's going to cost time. And, uh, and the way in which you get inside the box affects the stop. If you're having to get in around a car that's pitted in front of you, or you're trying to, you know, you're going to have to maneuver your way out. So you pit accordingly. Well, that affects what the crew does because all of what they do is choreographed. The slightest thing wrong can knock that askew. So when teams pick pit stalls, yes, they're searching for, you know, familiarity, uh, whatever timing lines that they can possibly game. And that changes based on the racetrack, but more routinely, they're looking for the pit stalls with the clean entry or exit just to reduce the risk of the stop going wrong. As we have talked about, that's the thing that affects pit stops uh, more. There are no fast pit stops. There are just normal pit stops and bad pit stops. You're trying not to have a bad pit stop. All right. Thank you, Blake, for that. And finally, from Jerry Eldred on Discord. This is uh, this was a thinker. Jerry asks us, name five veteran drivers in the lower levels that you think belong in the Cup Series. Not looking for prospect types like Cindric, but guys who either didn't get a long enough look at Cup level or were never given a shot for whatever reason. 
Uh, let me see, David. One, two, did I get five? I think I only came up with four, but uh, it, it's an interesting uh, exercise here. Jerry wants to know five drivers that, that could have had a better shot or you'd like to see another shot at Cup. I'll let you uh, I'm gonna go one for one, or I'm, I'm sure we have some overlap, but who'd you start with? I, you know what? No, I'm I'm curious. I want to hear who you have picked. If it's if it's four, or five, it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll oh, okay. combined. We'll come up with five names. I'm sure, but I want to hear your thoughts, your rationale. Who do you got? Uh, Justin Allgaier is my okay. first one. Uh, I think we have seen him uh, get better with age, as we as you know the gospel we preach on this podcast. If you don't know by now, uh, drivers do improve by age, and in terms of. You know, remember when he was in the H. Scott Motorsports and had a cup of coffee, you know, a couple seasons in cup, but uh, has excelled and can win races down at the Xfinity level. So, you know, again, there were, I only have four because I just couldn't find that many to choose from. But Justin Allgaier is certainly at the top of my list. Um, another maybe I'm a homer because I was a truck series guy. I, I want to see what Grant Infinger can do. He could, I, I, I picked a lot of winners. He won races down in the truck series can still is still far capable of winning uh, races uh he's not a prospect he is in his mid-30s so he is uh, maturing in terms of performance uh so i think grand infinger i'd like to see him possibly i don't know uh, aj allmendinger uh, should be maybe the top of the list we have sung his praises as you have said last year david he was uh i, I think had the best peer in the xfinity series now going for a championship and winning all sorts of races uh, because he is age what bing 39 so give him another shot in cup especially with all the road courses and then my final one was was brett moffitt um he was in cup he was cup rookie of the year if you remember that in a michael waltrip racing car uh had some good runs but for whatever reason you know not there anymore but he went down to the truck series uh won a championship won races i think he is kind of outperforming some of that hour motorsports equipment on a weekly basis. And so uh, maybe, you know, if there was a ride out there, you'd want somebody who, uh, a veteran who can win races and, and give him a shot and cup again. That was my four. Okay. So I, I'm, I'm going to try not to, to duplicate any of you said, um, to me, this is a question that has a lot of fun answers, uh, but maybe just one or two realistic answers. I guess one of them is Almondinger. Um, but the other realistic answer is John Hunter Nemechek. Uh, he okay. should have never left the cup series. Mm. Um, that's, you know, that that's, there's a lot to say about that. Uh, as for Almondinger, he's 39 now it's diminishing returns from 2022 going forward, but, uh, the schedule has kind of rolled into his favor. Uh, I mean, he's a natural fit for what NASCAR is attempting to be both now and in the immediate future. So a re-entry makes some sense, but for the fun answers, I think these are hypotheticals. I don't know that there's really any chance of these happening, but guys like Parker Kligerman and Andy Lally should have, of course, stayed around longer. Uh, the late Brian Clausen was, completely and I think utterly failed by Chip Ganassi racing. He should have been driving stock cars. In hindsight, Bobby Santos and Bubba Pollard should have been given longer leashes um, considering what they've done uh, on the short track scene lately. Uh, Doug Kobe should have been given a chance as well. Uh, SRX winner, first time out, multiple time, a wheel and modified to her champion. So, there are a few who should have been given more consideration 
but to actually rectify the mistake of of not having them i, I mean in in Clausen's case it's impossible but for those others there's so many years of development that is necessary to get to uh to a point where you're able to take advantage of your statistical peak um those are gone so i i, I don't know how smart that is if a team was willing to invest in that risk. Uh, we see Junior Motorsports doing that with Josh Berry, who did not have a traditional entry into a, a national series ride um, and is having some success. Um, that's kind of what it takes, though, is is an owner saying, OK, I really like this driver. Um, we've missed a lot of formative years and we're going to try to do this. We're just going to see what what happens with it. Um, I don't know how realistic that is because we don't see that a lot. What Josh Berry is getting from Dale Earnhardt Jr. is admirable on Dale Jr.'s part, but it is also rare. Um, it, is, it is certainly not the norm. So it, it's it's a good question, and this is a thought exercise that can that can go towards a lot of different drivers. Um, but I think from the most realistic standpoint that we can see, it's John Hunter Nemechek. Uh, just now, he's just racking up. Truck series wins, uh, you know, padding stats. Once he's done proving whatever he needs to, to prove to himself by beating uh, younger drivers every week, he would be a welcome re-addition to the NASCAR Cup Series because he proved last year that he belongs. Good question. Uh, good answer. And thank you all, you guys, the listeners out there, because this bonus episode was made because of your response to uh, David's uh, call for questions. So we always appreciate that. Thank you for listening to Positive Regression. Don't forget, as always, we're available Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Luminary, TuneIn, and YouTube. We're available no matter your device, our entire back catalog. Go to posregpod.com. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us that rating or review. That kind of stuff does help spread the word, as as does hearing from you and in getting your questions. We'll make a whole episode out of that stuff. So make sure you listen to Thursday's episode when we come back for the week. But thank you again for listening to this bonus episode for David Smith, I'm Alan Kavana. This is Positive Regression. Join Tubi in celebrating Black History Month with the largest free collection of black cinema streaming every day of the year, including exclusive Tubi originals, Howard High, and Pass the Mic. Tubi. Watch free.